<laughs> Welcome to the OmniTalk Spotlight Series. I'm your host, Ann Mazinga. And I am Chris Walton. <laughs> and we are the founders of OmniTalk, a content platform dedicated to researching and talking to the people, companies, and technologies who are shaping the future of retail. Today on the show, we have Untie Knots co-founders, Zied Jamusi and Cedric Chirot. Zied, Cedric, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you both here today. Hello, we're very excited to be with you today. Thank you very much for inviting us. Now, uh, just a reminder for those of you who are participating live in this event, uh, Zied, Cedric, the team at Untie Knots, Chris and I will all be answering your questions live in the chat throughout the show. So feel free to go ahead, put your questions in there. And if they don't get answered during this, we'll make sure that somebody follows up with you afterward. But you guys, let's get into the show. Um, Zied, Cedric, before we get into it, I want to know a little bit about, about the two of you and your backgrounds and how you came to start Untie Knots. We've uh, started Untie Knots uh, five years ago, roughly. Um, but Cedric and myself have been working together since uh, 2007. Oh, wow. And we've been, and we've been working in uh, an old couple. Uh, <laughs> and we've been working in the retail analytics uh, area since the early 2000s. Um, we, uh, uh, we've been mostly uh, consultants working with retailers on optimizing their marketing mix, their promotions, their couponing programs. and. Um, we uh, wanted to, uh, to do something uh, in the software industry to disrupt that old way of doing promotions and loyalty in the grocery retail. And so we started on Time Out. Awesome. And, and now, so I detect, an, I detect a hint of an accent there, I think, too. So where, where, where are you guys based? Uh, we are based in, uh, in Paris, um, in France. So we are trying to hide our French accent the best we can, but apparently <laughs> not, it's not good enough. Not necessary. No, no, not necessary at all. We need more French accents. Yes. That, more French <laughs> accents on Omnitalk. Any day we can get them. Um, well, so tell us, so what is Untie Knots then? How does it work? So what is Untie Knots? Untie Knots is a, is a startup and we developed a solution for retailers and, and, and their suppliers, uh, partners. And, and the objective of those solution is to make promotions and loyalty fun, easy, uh, and and valuable for customers, valuable for customers, for retailers too, and also for uh, suppliers. So it's a win-win-win solution. And for that, we use uh, AI-powered solution with hyper-personalization and gamification. Okay, so yeah, so say, say more about what that means. So like, what does that look like? What does that look like in, practi in practice, Cedric? Like say, as you're working with retailers. So, um, Let's say that I'm a customer and I'm, and I'm going to my favorite grocery shopping, grocery shopper. Okay. Um, the, the thing is, I'm not going to the same store every week. Sometimes I'm hopping around and uh, looking for the best promotion of the week. So I'm going to my second favorite uh, grocer. And, and the grocer number one sent me a loyalty challenge. And the loyalty challenge is what we provided to, to the grocer. And the loyalty challenge is uh, an offer that is completely personalized to my affinities, to my potential, to my taste. And, and I can see that it's on my favorite brand. So all the products of my favorite brands are included in that challenge. And to win the challenge, I have to reach a certain threshold. And I can okay. two or three thresholds and I win rewards depending on the threshold that I can reach from my spending at this grocer. And 
it's interesting for me because the reward are pretty generous. Uh, so for that, I'm, I'm going to be incentivized to go to grocer number one more often uh, over the next few weeks and, and stop hopping around from one grocer to the other. And therefore, grocer number one is going to reward my new loyalty, my more loyalty shopping behavior. And, 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 and that's how we make the retailer super happy. And so it's you're, sorry, yeah. No, so 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 I make sure I heard that right. So so essentially, you're the you're the the software platform then for the 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 loyalty presentation of that to the consumer from a digital facing perspective. Is that right? Exactly. It's, it's the whole solution from from how we can design the offers at the beginning, how we can define the the, the threshold and the rewards till the end with the the the, the platform for the customer to be able to see the challenges and, and in access, accessible through our APIs and you, you can see the challenges on every digital asset he, he has. Uh, but it's also, the solution is complete also for the retailers and the, the, the brands. They can see the KPI, the performance KPIs. They can have access to a lot of information on how to manage their offers, how they can answer all the questions that might be coming from their shoppers uh, because one product didn't count and it should have counted. All these things, we, we give all the tools, all the solutions for the, the, the solution to run very, very smoothly for the retailers, for the customers, for the brands, once again. And, and I think that I think that makes I think that makes sense conceptually. So as you know, we and we, you know, you you walk a trade show, you hear a lot of companies positioning themselves in this space to that end. What makes your solution different? What's the unique secret sauce to what you guys are describing? Yeah, there are a couple of components that makes our, make our solution quite unique. The first one I would say is, uh, like Cedric mentioned earlier, is the fact that our solution is an end-to-end -end solution. Okay. Uh, it goes from raw data into uh, displaying the personal offers to each individual customer. Um, and, uh, and that's pretty unique as there are plenty of uh, service provider that can provide either the algorithm or the display solution or the offer management solution. Uh, but uh, the, the challenge is to coordinate all the pieces that enable the, 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 the simple execution of a program of this kind. Uh, the other thing that makes us unique is that we've um, moved away from the traditional offers that are just basket-based, right. uh, like buy this product next time you visit and you get this off. And we focus on telling people save, but not just on one journey, on one trip, you save uh, over a month or two months. And so what we reward is the longer time behavior that will contribute into driving more frequency uh, rather than just uh, punctual additional products in the basket. We don't want people to buy one product once. We want them to buy more products on a regular basis until, until it becomes a habit. Um, and that's, I think it's uh, pretty differentiating uh, as we build objectives for each consumer individually to stretch his behavior for more loyalty. And uh, retailers in the US talk about us like, uh, like a more loyalty program rather than just a loyalty program. And so Ziad, explain a little bit too, I, I have a question in there because right now, a lot of this is happening where it's just 
it's like lump categorization of your customers. Isn't that right? I mean, from what I, when we've talked before, so it's not, you know, really being able to, to hyper-personalize and throughout that month long journey of buying the same, you know, particular item five times. Um, It's also bringing in affinity products too. Can you explain a little bit? Is that, is, are you using AI to help do that? Like what, what did you guys see was missing in the market to kind of create this specific product? Yeah, actually, uh, there are a few pieces that were missing in the market. And uh, surprisingly, it might not be the AI that was missing. Uh, often think, people think about, wow, well, we can't do it because we don't have the AI. And uh, they start investing uh, on AI to do that. But when they get the AI, they get massive hurdles. Mm. Uh, if you want to personalize anything to, at the individual level, uh, you, can, you need to manage the offers at individual level too. Uh, it doesn't make sense to, uh, to, to find exactly what suits me best with the most powerful AI available uh, and then to give me uh, the only offer, offer that is available hmm. because that's not so personal. Uh, you bring me to the average, to an average behavior. So uh, the, the challenge, the biggest challenge we had was to be able not only to find what people like, predict how much they would naturally spend on what they like and how much we can stretch that behavior to capture a bigger mm. part of their spends. But we had to be able to build offers on the fly to allow uh, a proper response to that, to, uh, to, that, uh, um, to that behavior. So we want to, to stretch them. Uh, then you can stretch me differently than Cedric. I might love different products from Cedric. Then I need to have uh, an offer on my products with an objective that is set precisely for me. And if you get stuck into operational hurdles, uh, which are related to traditional offer management system, um, then you can't do the personalization that the AI prescribes to you. So the AI is no longer that useful. So we, we had to break those two obstacles at the same time to enable any proper execution of our ambition. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, it wouldn't have been uh, possible to, to stick to that more loyalty promise rather than just loyalty. Well, and you also have an element that's, that's unique in the market in that, you know, I think Cedric, you mentioned it, but it was, you know, this, this, uh, the challenges that, that you're proponing, there's an element of gamification to this that we don't see in other loyalty apps. Um, tell us a little bit about what went into that and why you made the decision to kind of move that up to the forefront. It's actually a, a fun thing because it was not an initial objective in the solution that we built. Really? Uh, yes, it, it came naturally in, but it was not an objective at the beginning. So our initial objective was to um, provide scalability and profitable uh, profitable solution. So that was the two objectives that we had. And that's why we created the, the individual challenge because we can run challenge for millions and millions of shoppers and all the challenge are completely personalized. And therefore, because we're stretching the, sh- the shopping behavior, they are profitable. And, and I would say the gamification came, came in naturally, but it was not really an objective at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's just a nice way to engage and I would say nudge the, the, the customer behavior to, to incentivize them to come once more and, and maybe to choose grocer one instead of grocer two more often. Right. So Cedric, I, I, to that point, like I, as, you, as you guys are describing this, what, I'm, what my mind starts to go on and I'm starting to think about too. And um, 
it was funny. I was having a conversation with the head of Adidas's loyalty marketing program. I was telling her that I was going to talk to you guys and um, specifically around this angle of gamification, because it seems like it's kind of an untapped field where you see people are starting to experiment with it, but you've got the traditional loyalty, you know, uh, exposition, if you will, uh, you know, in the experience the user's using, right. But where, you know, you get your reward points and whatnot, the traditional way, but like the actual gamifying of that on a day in and day out basis is really unique and different. The way you're describing it, it makes me sound like as you're doing this with other retailers too, you're probably getting a sense of what games work and what ones don't and being able to refine that over time through that type of science. Am I, am I thinking about this the right way that there's kind of the network effect in the games that you're creating around this AI and your loyalty platform? Yeah, there is, there is a part of that. Um, I, I would say uh, there is a lot in the industry of gamification that is uh, done just for the sake of doing gamification. Right. Uh, it's part of the current hype in uh, a lot of industries of uh, bringing in gamification. And the, 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 maybe the area where we are different is we've uh, brought that from a more, I would say, scientific angle. We didn't want to do it. We've never had initially the idea of doing gamification. We did it for the uh, behavioral impact of gamification on customer behavior. So it came in uh, like an engineer thing rather than uh, like a marketeer thing. And, uh, and we see in the industry that a lot of uh, gamification initiatives are, I would say, a bit misleading because uh, you want to make customers play on, on things that are not neither essential for his relationship with the banner or the brand and, uh, and that don't necessarily create the addiction that is suitable for increasing the business with that customer mm -hmm. so why bother doing that i mean it's uh it's uh, fun it's there's some hype to it but it doesn't last because there is no roi to doing such things and it gets boring over time while if you get into a situation where um the, the gamification serves an essential purpose for a retailer for a brand and even for the customer at the end, if not, he's not going to play, which is to make better deals together, uh, have a closer relationship, a more loyal relationship, then it works. So uh, we do gamification with a clear purpose. Got it. How does that work in practice then? Like say a client comes to you and says, hey, we're interested. We want to explore that idea with you, loyalty with gamification. You know, how, how does that how does that look like when you're going through that onboarding process with them and and then what does it look like in eventuality as, it, as you bring it to fruition? Yeah, the, the, uh, the, the way we, we sell a solution, a software solution. So uh, what we, the, when we talk with the, with the customer, it's clearly about a very clear objective, which is to, to drive customers to be more loyal than they used to be. Those who used to come twice a month, ask them to get them to come three times a month, et cetera. Sure. Um, and so we've uh, designed our solution as an end-to-end -end platform, like Cedric was mentioning, because, uh, again, if not, uh, implementing all this uh, gamification, personalization, the AI, the offer management, and all that kind of things will be a, a, a huge project for the retailer to implement. Right. So uh, we bring the solution end-to-end. -end. All we need is to, to plug the, uh, our platform to the retailer's transactional data, loyalty program data. Uh, and within five weeks from that moment, directly uh, the end, the shoppers of the retailer can take part to, to challenges and participate to, to, uh, to a real campaign. Um, because it's uh, just one single pipeline with one solution 
that drives the whole thing from raw data into uh, playing with customers. That makes sense. I guess my I guess my question too is more on around, you know how, you know sometimes the the element of brand and what the retailer wants to stand for creatively comes into play here. So you know how does how does it how does it work then when you get to the point where you say, hey, I want to run a game or I want to do some gamification. I want it to be brand right for me. But at the same time, you've got, you know, the AI deciding a lot of that in the background. How do those two things meet in the middle here operationally for clients? There are two components in the, um, in the customization at, uh, for each client. Uh, one is about the, the type of offers that they, they want to play, the, the level of, uh, of uh, discount they want to run, the story they want to tell. Um, so that, that's one thing. And the, even the currency, if they want to do cashback or points or stars, right. whatever. Okay. And, and then there is the whole design uh, part of it. So, uh, and we, we, we provide the, all the, the pipelines and the, the data uh, to handle, uh, to, to, to offer, to allow the, the retailer to choose the story he wants to tell and to, and to use the design he wants to use into a white label platform finally. So oh, it's, it. uh, it's, super, it's super flexible um, in that sense. Um, and we, we have the, uh, uh, the, the, I think we say guardrails uh, to, to, to avoid uh, th things to be done in a non-profitable way or non-attractive way for the consumer. Uh, typically we have a very strong uh, customer centric focus uh, we want that we, we know that what works in this industry, uh, if we want people to come more frequently, we want we need to talk to them about what they care about. Right. And so that's a, a very big focus we have. And uh, to illustrate that, um, one fun fact is that we're working with three of the largest retailers in Europe. And 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 to illustrate the the, the level of customization, it's also in in the, in the in the way they can present this to their customers. Um, Interestingly, and, and not that we have made a choice for that, because it was the retailer's choice, they played the same solution, our solution, in three completely different ways. The first one decided that the loyalty challenges uh, were a, a fundamental part of their loyalty scheme. So every month, the customers can take, a, can take their, their, their individual uh, challenges. The second retailer decided that it was more a high-low initiative. So mm. sometimes the, 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 the challenges are, 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 are on, sometimes they're off. And when they're back, they're communicating, they're back, they're back, you should come in and, and play again. So it's really more on the promotional side. An event, yeah. And the third one decided that it was more a price perception thing. So mm. what they're communicating to their customers is if you play with the challenges, then all your favorite products will be unbeatable in terms of, of, of pricing because it will you, you will earn so much that it, you will never choose uh, other banners than, than us so it's interesting you see it's the same solution but you can customize it and customize the message uh, for the shoppers completely differently well cedric you mentioned something important there you you've started in in Europe with a lot of European retailers and had a lot of success here. In fact, uh, Chris will like this. I don't know if you know this, but um, one of the team members at Untie Knots uh, suggested that we call this segment coming to North America because he knows oh. how much we love uh, our movies here. But you you are both getting ready. To, <laughs> you might have to. Yeah, you are great... both getting ready to launch in North America. Um, 
I imagine some of the challenges that you face so far, I mean, personalization, whenever you have personalization involved, especially in European markets, um, there's a lot of regulations that you have mm. to, and, and hurdles you have to get over. Um, what are you hoping to kind of be able to take from your experience uh, at these European retailers into North America? Well, the, the first thing is, of course, we want to go to the to, to North America because it's one of the biggest market, if not the biggest market for, for retail in, in the world. Um, sure. the, the, the U.S. Is, is the size of Europe, so it, it, it's even bigger than this. And some retailers are national in, in the U.S. So, of course, we're talking to huge, huge actors in, in the retail sector. So that's very important for us to go there. Um, that said, what, what can we bring from Europe maybe uh, and the insight that we can bring from Europe to this very specific market uh, in North America. Well, we thought about that. I think the, the, the one thing that is interesting about Europe, it's, it's a quite mature market and, and the retail, especially in grocery, is, is, um, is very uh, structured now. Mm -hmm. uh, let's take an example. In France, 99% of the, of the markets is, is done by five or six retailers only. So right. and they're fighting a lot and they're completely uh, structured now. So the, 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 the growth is very limited and everybody is, is fighting for 1% growth. Uh, and, and the way to do this is more to fight for the share of wallets and therefore more loyalty from their customers. And, and it's not a new thing, but I think it's, it's not a new thing in Europe, but it's coming to the US. It's coming to North America. And, and we have, I would say, an answer. I don't want to say a weapon to, to fight that, that game. Uh, and, and, and we hope to, to have the part of a solution for, for the, what is coming next for retailers in the US once they will be as structured as retailers in, in, in Europe. And having this loyalty challenge solution is for us a great way, once again, scalable and very profitable way to, uh, to fight for more share of what it from, from their customers. And as a North American retailer, especially grocery retailer in this case, what should I, what is like the number one thing that you hope to get across to me when, you know, you'll, you'll both be at grocery shop next week. Um, what are you really hoping that, that you can capture in their, their minds? I think I've been to the U.S. I worked in the U.S. for five years, and the, the one thing that I loved in, in this market is is the, the fact that American people can say yes, let's try this very very easily, much more easily than than we what we have in in, in Europe. Really, so, I had no idea. <laughs> and in, I think that's exactly what we're expecting from an event like grocery shop or uh, any meeting we'll have with a U.S. grocer is mm -hmm. let's try this. Because what we're going to say is, is, is true. What we're going to promise is true. We're, we're saying that it's smooth. It's going to be smooth. We're saying that it's, it's very profitable. It's going to be very profitable. Let's try. And, and that's what I'm, we're hoping is to find this, this yes. Let's try this. And let's make it fun. Like, let's make it fun for the customers right. too. I mean, you're saving grocers customers a significant amount of money, but you're also doing it in a way that 
isn't really being done right now. Like this engagement that's ongoing that, you know, you, I think it reminded me with the first time I talked to you guys of like, when we talked to Starbucks and I remember the old, you know, starting with yeah. the Starbucks stars and like, yeah. that was fun. You looked forward yeah. to doing that. And there is this yeah. sense of, especially as we talk about this next generation of audience that's starting to be grocery shopping um, or kids who are influencing their parents who are grocery shopping. I think to be able to have this element is something that's unique. And I, I hope that uh, the people listening today in, in uh, this program and uh, next week at grocery shop, will make sure that uh, they, they pay attention to, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that the, the, the interesting thing to me too, is what you said in terms of the different couple of things you said, Cedric, on the differences between the American and the European market. I think one is how you described the French grocery market. I think, you know, as from my experience now, Anna, probably you agree too. It seems like, seems like the American grocery market is very much a, a share game now at this point, you know, mm-hmm. low growth, very established regional players in different markets. You've got Amazon, you know, massing the troops on the border, all of us wondering where the heck that's going to go. But seems like this is a solution ripe for that type of environment. The second thing, though, you said about just Europeans being less likely to want to adapt change, I, that that astounded me. I had no idea. Like, I would have I thought it was the exact opposite, especially talking to two Frenchmen here. But, but you know, I'll take your guys' word for that one. Yeah, but from, from our experience, it's... Um... The, the, the retailers in um, in uh, in Europe are very very structured. Um, yeah, got it. So from a retail perspective, less apt to try things. Got it. Yeah. Okay, maybe not culturally, but less. Got it from a retail perspective. Yeah, massive organization, very difficult to move, very difficult to make a single decision. Mm. Uh, in the US, there are more uh, mid-sized retailers uh, in a very competitive environment with much more retailers around competing with them. Um, and uh, more likely to, to try new things. Got it. Um, so it was pretty difficult in France to start with the first pilot, typically, mm-hmm. uh, back in 2017. But as soon as the, the news started to spread in the market, uh, we started working with, uh, with other retailers, and then the next one and the next one. And now we are covering probably close to 65 or 70% of the market. Uh, but um, yeah, so uh, starting in Europe is probably more difficult uh, than in the US, but uh, we'll see that. Yeah. And to that point, I think, you know, to that point, especially for anyone listening for a grocery shop too, um, what is it, what does it actually look like to start with you guys? That's a question we like to ask. Like what, you know, if somebody is interested, what does a typical implementation look like? Like how, what's the average length of it? Like how quickly can you get them going to, you know, tap into this, what you, you know, hopefully in the American market is more of a willingness to try some new things, especially if it's a low lift for them. Yeah. They, uh, the, 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 to start to start working with a retailer, typically, in, um, we need we just need to have access to to their to their transactional data, which mm-hmm. they in general already share with different partners. So uh, we are pretty flexible to use existing data feeds. We also need to uh, to know how to to plug to um, to digital touch points of the retailer. Um, so that we can address the customers through our APIs. Um, and uh, basically, once the connection to the data is done, we all we need is five weeks to set up uh, wow. the customization of the design, uh, the implementation of the offers, the run of the algorithms, and the whole thing. And it's, um, it's a, a, a promise we make to our clients with a, with a strong commitment. Uh, with, uh, knock on wood, we've never been late in running our <laughs> our solution. And uh, what we promise also is uh, understanding ROI. Uh, 
for one for one dollar if um, if discount that is given to a consumer, we are able to guarantee uh, seven dollars of incremental spend at the retailer. Wow! And that's something we've been proving so many times uh, across retailers that we can commit to with our clients. So it's really um, a risk-free. Uh, a risk-free investment yeah. uh, with us uh, and it doesn't last long before they have the return. So I just want to make sure I heard you right. So like essentially like for those listening or watching us live, you know, we're in middle of September, you know, five weeks, essentially you could be willing to try or experiment with something, you know, in time for the holidays out here this year, given your yeah. timelines, you guys, yeah, you guys standing behind that one. I don't want to put your feet to the fire, but yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. It's just uh, the, probably what takes more time is, uh, and certainly what takes more time is the decision-making process. But right. once the decision is made and we have access to the data, it's uh, it's ready within a few weeks. And and to add something on that is is uh, as Yed was saying, the, the 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 one thing we need to do is to to connect to the the transactional data. And and there's a, always a question of security and stuff like that. And that's also something that we can bring from the our European experience is everything is is GDPR compliant. And, right. and I believe that there's nothing more constraining than, than the GDPR uh, system. So uh, that's one thing that, that you can trust us with is security and, and, and privacy of the data yeah. that we're going to collect and, and, um, and, and work on. I would even add to that that we are a Google Cloud partner. Um, mm -hmm since uh, a year now um, and uh, we can the data remains within the Google Cloud environment and uh, typically for US clients it will be in a Google Cloud data center in Iowa or wherever right. uh, to avoid getting uh, US data out that they don't need to be in France to, to, to use on timeouts of course. Right, right. That's a great point. Yeah. And the point about GDPR is great too. I think, you know, that's one of the, you know, definitely one of the selling points, I think, for a lot of these European tech companies, because you guys know your, you know, your ropes in terms of yeah. how to work around all the different privacy requirements that are out there and that are eventually coming to the United States, we would think one would surmise. So, well, you guys, this has been a great conversation. Um, I'm going to close it up. You two seem like you are in for a little fun, a little gamification from the OmniTalk team. Uh, we are going to play How Millennial Are You? Are you guys ready? Not sure. Let's see. <laughs> You're up for the challenge, though. That's We're it. up for the challenge. Okay. Okay. I like it. <laughs> All right. First question. When you are going to the grocery store that you're loyal to because of the loyalty challenges you're participating <laughs> in, how are you paying for your groceries? Are you using cash, a credit card, mobile payment? Ziad, so, yeah, let's start with you and then Cedric. Um, only credit card. Credit cards. Okay. Physical credit cards. You're tapping. Um, no, not necessarily. Uh, it can be through my phone. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Good. Phew. You saved yeah. yourself We're there clarifying. for a second. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> Cedric, what about you? Uh, can I say Bitcoin to look super? super oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. You yeah. using Bitcoin at the grocery store, Cedric? <laughs> no, 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 not true. Not true. Uh, <laughs> credit, like, credit wow. card credit card most of the time uh mobile payments not very often why is that uh first of all because it, i don't know why maybe there's a jinx or something but it never works when i'm trying so i prefer oh. to use the old-fashioned way 
Got it. So there's some user error going on there, potentially, that's holding you back from getting the millennial designation. Okay, got it, got it, got it. As long as you don't say checks, I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. right. <laughs> checks. All right, next question. How many times in the last week have you ordered food or drinks from an app? Cedric, we'll start with you. Uh, once. Food? Only once. Okay. Yeah, because I love to cook. Oh, you do? That's why. I mean, we, 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 we love to cook. Both of us, we, we love to cook. Uh, and, and we have kids and we love to cook with them. Uh, so we don't order food uh, very often. Okay. But I did it once last week. Yes. I, 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 didn't, I didn't do it any time last week. Wow. Uh, oh, my gosh. I was, okay. I was on vacation. I love cooking. So, so yeah. that doesn't make us very millennial, right? That's, no, but it, it makes you very French, yes, which I think I is also good, right? We just automatically assume that you're exceptional cooks. And so why would you need any app to deliver? You? Right. Yeah, no, it makes me want to visit Paris and have you guys cook me a meal. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can definitely do that. And our next session together, maybe we can share a French recipe. Yeah, together. there you go. That's, trade recipes. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, maybe if you if you have questions in the chat, if you want recipe suggestions from Ziad and uh, yeah, Cedric, here you go. Maybe just put pop them in the chat right here, and we can find out. I can't. Them. I just can't make a souffle, Ed. Like these guys <laughs> seem like they could make me a mean souffle. I'm this guessing, tr- this has turned into a cooking show <laughs> instead of a retail show. Um, uh, but that's a first. I mean, that's a honestly, God, that's a first. I mean, it shows you why we do this question because I don't think we've ever had anyone say zero or even one time to that question. So it shows you the cultural differences here that can come into play on things too, which I think is just important to point out, so. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And, and I'm saying that, and uh, despite that in France, uh, 10% of uh, uh, shopping uh, grocery baskets are done online, which, right. is, which is huge compared pretty to- Pretty good, yeah, pretty good size. Even compared to the US, and people typically do click and collect for food, but People compared to the US tend more to buy uh, non-prepared food um, and right. cook more in general. Yeah, that's why you look healthier than the general most of us. To be honest, yes. you too. Like for those watching, you look you look relatively <laughs> healthy and in good shape. So that's that's probably a good reason why. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you guys one last question. On that note, uh, if you could only use one social network for the rest of your life, which network would it be, and why? Ziad, you want to go first? Yeah, um, it would be uh, it would be LinkedIn because LinkedIn. I I need it for for work. Um, uh, and second would be Instagram. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Cedric, what about you? If I had to keep just one, I would say YouTube. Uh, probably. Oh. Uh, I think uh, I like what I like about YouTube is it's a nice combination of. Um, professional world so you you can communicate from from a, a, a professional perspective but but you also have plenty of of, uh, of uh, nice movies old clips music videos and stuff like that so you you can spend the whole day on youtube yeah uh, cat videos uh, things like that yeah you yeah. know I, that's a first i don't think we've ever had youtube before have no. we no that's a first so many okay. so, tell, so tell us more how are you using youtube like i'm curious like it's, you're you're sitting at home. You're like, what? What? How are you dialing that up? What's what's going on with you? I, I love the music from the '80s and the '90s. Okay. Uh, and, and it's it's sometimes quite hard to to find a, a concert or something like that in in uh, in Apple Music or stuff like that. So okay. I like to go there and see 
the, the, the concert. It's pretty nice. And then they're usually recommending another video that usually I find it interesting. So I can spend hours just looking at old videos of Dire Straits and, and, and Pink Floyd and, and Eric Clapton and stuff like that. And there's no ending to this. So it's, right. it's a never ending thing. And, and from a professional perspective, um, it's also a nice way, when, as I said, to communicate. We did some videos at the beginning to explain the loyalty challenges. And, and, and obviously, YouTube was the, the, the main media for us to put the video. Um, and, and I think there's, there's a great value in, in, in creating uh, movies. Uh, and, and clips, video clips, because because mm-hmm. you explain more with the pictures than with just the text and 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 the sound. It's a combination of the two that makes it very very powerful when you're trying to explain what you're doing. Yeah, well, good. Cedric, you almost passed how millennial are you, and then you started talking about Pink Floyd uh, and, <laughs> and, and so I have to say I'm sorry, uh, but I don't know that you've passed the how millennial are you test. You uh, passed the Chris thinks you're cool test though. Yeah, I we think, think with those music right. selections, yeah. those are great. You're just you were you Cooking were right music? in assuming. Sign me up. Yeah, you're not millennial. Um, you guys, thank you again so much for being a part of this. Thanks to our audience for participating live. Um, you are both going to be at grocery shop next week as are Chris and I Um, if people want to get in touch with you though before that uh, they want to try to see you stop by at the show Um, where's the best place for them to start best place to start is probably on our website uh, untinots.com untinots being u-n-t-i-e-n-o-t-s dot com and uh, then our contact is available there uh, to, uh, and we would be very happy to meet with uh, with uh, all people interested in our solution. And you'll find the videos that well, I was talking about, the videos that are on YouTube, but also on our website. Yes. <laughs> Highly instructional videos, right? <laughs> there you go. Wonderful. Well, a reminder to our listeners that Untie Knots is also one of our sponsors for our upcoming grocery shop content for next week. So if you're not already, make sure that you're subscribed at omnitalk.blog slash subscribe so that you can stay tuned to all of the content that we're putting out next week. We've got a lot of great a lot stuff. Of content uh, we'll be recapping the show in the Fast Five on Thursday. So uh, make sure that you stay tuned again. Thank you so much to co-founders of Untie Knots, uh, Zied and Cedric. And to all our listeners, be careful out there.